but I am always honored to stand in the pulpit, and I'm grateful that Pastor Ian has given me that opportunity. I never want to take for granted or not feel the heaviness of weight of being God's mouthpiece. But it is an exciting time for me that God uses me in this way. And I had someone ask me this morning, I'm surprised that you're here. And I said, why would you be? Because it's great to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. It's great to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. It is great to be in the house of the Lord. I hope this morning that God speaks to your heart as he's been speaking to mine as I've been preparing this message for you. Again, please be in in prayer for Pastor Ian and and his wife as they're coming back. But if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, 8 through 20. Luke, the second chapter of Luke, verses 8 through 20. This morning I want to talk to you about Christmas. And the title of, of this message is, Who Are You Looking For? Who are you looking for? In a world that is looking for Santa Claus and good deals at JCPenney and validation of their worth via the presents they get and the presents they give and all that this this consumer-driven world has twisted Christmas to be, I want to take a moment to focus on three hopes that this verse gives us. Three hopes and a promise that we can share with the world. Before we get started, I want to point out that I am not making a case against Santa Claus or the Christmas traditions that we love and celebrate. I'm not making a case against Christmas traditions. I know everyone celebrates at their house differently. But I'm not preaching today against traditions. We have several traditions at our house. This is the first Christmas at the Davis household that we don't have a live Christmas tree. We have a fake Christmas tree. It's an imposter. And Miss Caroline thinks she can fool me by putting a little pine-scented blade plug-in on the wall. I know the difference. It's a beautiful tree. We had a, a, a tad bit, a tiny disagreement on whether that tree was going to have white lights or colored lights. I love colored lights. I I love the way they sparkle and shine and cast different colors on the wall. I was adamant that our tree would have colored lights. And I will have you know that that tree is covered in white lights. I've learned something very important in our marriage. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. If you're married, you know that. And if you ain't, if you're single or you're engaged, you better write write that down right now. And put it somewhere where you're not going to lose it. It's actually been covered with two different types of white lights. Because white lights aren't white lights anymore. The first set was cool white. And it was supposed to be warm white. I told her that cool would have to work because I wasn't going through the hassle of changing them all out and getting them tangled and putting them all back in a box. So we now have this gorgeous tree that is covered in warm white lights. And it's decorated in all pretty ornaments and a tree skirt. And we set out the little snowmen and I love Christmas villages. So we have a Christmas village on the mantel and we have a Christmas village in the dining room. And we have a Christmas village in a box because I just had to have it and I don't have any room to put it. 
I love Christmas traditions. And I don't know about you, but it just doesn't feel like Christmas unless I've seen It's a Wonderful Life, unless I've watched the Rankin-Bass claymation movies, you know, the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and you know, the, the year without a Santa Claus, hi, Mr. Heath. It just doesn't feel like Christmas unless I've seen those. I got to watch It's Christmas, Charlie Brown. You warm my soul with the, with, with the uh, piano special today. And, 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 and my favorite, my favorite, favorite, I absolutely love seeing Ralphie open up his Red Ryder BB gun. I've got to watch It's a Christmas Story. I love my Christmas traditions. But if we're not careful, this season becomes a season all about us. And we miss why there's something special about this season. We miss why this season feels different. We miss why for four weeks, everything kind of has a gleam to it. And, and we feel a little different, and the air feels different, and we put up so much work, and we spend weeks putting up decorations that are going to stay up for two weeks, and, and then they're going to be taken down. That's what I don't understand about you people that don't want to put up a Christmas tree before Thanksgiving. Look at it for a while. We've had Christmas music playing in our house since October. I, I love Christmas, but if we're careful... This season becomes all about traditions and not about the special circumstances around this season. I don't want to make a case against traditions, but I do want to remember why we celebrate. So if you're willing and able, would you please stand with me as we read Luke 2, 8 through 20. Luke chapter 2. 8 through 20. Sorry, I had my notes there. Luke chapter 2, 8 through 20. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. I love it that the angel knew they were afraid. And his first words were, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary, who had been promised, treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let's pray. 
Father God, we come before you today, Lord, and we thank you for everything you do, Father. We thank you for the many blessings that you give us. We thank you for the good things that come from you, God. We thank you for all the things that, that, that this season means, God. God, and I ask you that in this moment that, that these people would not hear from me, that they would hear from you, Father, that you would allow me to preach as a dying man to a dying people that some may be saved, Father. I ask you that you would loose me and let me go with reckless abandon, Father. Father, let you be glorified in everything that you do, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. You may be seated. As I said earlier, I believe that there are three hopes and a promise that we can look for this Christmas season in this passage. There's three hopes and a promise. The first hope is good news. The first hope is the good news. The angel said, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. That good news was the heralding that something new was coming. That God was doing something new. That there was something new happening. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created man and he said that it was good. And he walked with man and he communed with man and and they were together. And then man sinned and immediately there was a separation between God and man. Immediately there was a separation between God and man. And that, that relationship that was supposed to be perfect and that relationship that was supposed to be a blessing was now broken. And for some of you, you still feel that separation. This morning, as you got ready to come here, it was rough. It was anxiety-laden, or you just didn't want to be here. Because you still feel that separation that maybe either this stuff is just corny and old and outdated, or maybe you feel the, the heaviness of... This stuff is true and I really don't want to believe it. But that heaviness was on us. That separation was there. And God spent generations trying to win back the hearts of the Israelites. And each time, they would throw the blessing right back in his face. And and they would run to idols and and other gods that didn't exist while the life spring was right in front of them. and, And they would come back and repent. But each time it was costly. Each time it was costly. And then in Leviticus we see that God lays out how costly that that was going to be. God lays out what their relationship is going to look like now. And because of sin they were were to take a prized spotless lamb, the the firstborn lamb, and, and sacrifice that lamb to God for their sins. They were to take something from their livelihood that they needed to survive and sacrifice that to God. So they would feel the weight of that sin because their sin carried a high price. Their sin carried a high price. And the good news was that a Savior was coming. Not a physical Savior to release them from the bondage of a nation, but to release them from the bondage of their sin. No longer would there be a separation because of their sin. Not because of anything they had done, but because of what God was about to do. The good news was the fact that something new was happening. That God was making something new. 
this baby, this good news, this baby that was spoken of to the shepherds, this baby that they would find in swaddling clothes, this baby would be a savior. Because of this baby, I would never be in the place of Abraham needing to sacrifice my firstborn son because God sacrificed his. I would never feel like David, oh God, be not far from me because now he walks with me again. That's the good news. I would never be Uzzah dying because I laid my unworthy hands on the Ark of the Covenant because through this baby, the Ark now would live in me. God was doing something new. This baby was good news that the saving grace was not for Jews alone, but for the whole world. It was good news that never again would the world lie in darkness without hope because a baby had come. This baby was good news. The first hope that we see is is good news. This baby was good news. So we had good news and, and then we had great joy. Great joy. This baby was bringing great joy. Over the weekend, I I referenced this earlier, but over the weekend, uh, on Wednesday, at 12 a.m., it was probably about 1 o'clock in the morning, we received a phone call from my sister. And the first words I heard were, Josh is dead. Josh is dead. And, And we're trying to figure out what's going on, and she says, she says, my leg is broken, and, and I hurt, and, and Josh, is, Josh is dead, and he's pinned in the car, and we can't get him out. And, and I, I think that my wife and my sister's conversation lasted a full 90 seconds. And in that time, I had gotten dressed, got out of bed, gotten dressed, had my keys in my hand, and were out the door in 90 seconds. And, and, and I ran there the whole time thinking, what could... What is going on and, and, and what could happen? And then I would learn that, that uh, somebody was speeding down, uh, down uh, Fulton Industrial Boulevard and had lost control of their car and had careened into, into their lane and it hit them head on and the car had burst into flames and my, my brother-in-law was, was trapped in, in, in the car. And they would get him out and find that his hip was broken and his femur was broken in two places. And, and now he has metal all through there. We learned that his feet were broken and that both of his hands were broken and, and that his, his forearms were broken and his hands were shattered and all of his fingers were broken. And we didn't know if he was going to make it or if, it, if or he wasn't. And, and we found that my sister had an internal bleed that we didn't know it was coming from. And, and she had a broken foot, her heel was broken, and, and her arm was fractured. And, and this just, this entire horrific event is now playing out in my life. And then I find that Josh had woken up in the back of the ambulance. And the entire ride from the wreck to Atlanta Medical Center, my brother-in-law is praying for my sister and he's praying for the ambulance drivers, and he's praying that God would help them, and then I find that there's more people praying here. And then we get to Atlanta Medical Center, and he's, 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 this shattered man is telling people that it could have been worse, but God be the glory. And then, 
And so then we're, 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 we're going to the doctors and they're, they're, they're trying to find this internal bleed and they're saying, listen, there's, 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 there's blood coming and we don't know where it's coming from. It's not a lot, but if we let it go, it could be something serious. And so I have people on Wednesday night who are praying at the church and then we get the call Thursday morning that everything's clear and there's no bleed. And they say, we're really not sure what happened, but we think it's just abdominal bruising. No, that's the power of prayer. And that's this great joy that now in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of all this, that I know that my brother-in-law, that my sister, that, that if something were to happen to me, that they are kept in his hands. And if the outcome had been different and they were not here, then they would have woken up in the presence of God. And to be honest, the older that I get, I would have been jealous. The older that I get living in this old world, I'd say, even so, Lord, come quickly. When I was growing up, it was, it was God, just, just wait until I get married. Just, just wait to come back until I have kids. Just wait to this. And every year I say, even so, Lord, come quickly. When my grandmother was lying in a hospital bed, struggling for every breath, her hands were crippled with arthritis. Her lungs were slowly hardening from the same disease. I asked her, I said, Nanny, why are you so joyful? Every time a nurse would come in, the conversation would turn to Jesus. The conversation would turn to her salvation. She wanted all her grandkids there so that she could know that they knew Jesus. I said, Nanny, why are you so joyful? In that quiet room, just me and her, I was able to lead her in, in, in the words of it is well. And then I said, Nanny, why are you so joyful? And she said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. You can't unwrap that joy. You'll never be able to buy that joy at Black Friday at Walmart. You'll never find that joy in the perfect man or the perfect woman. You'll never find that joy in the bottom of a bottle. That's the joy that comes from believing that every promise in this book is and will be true. That's the promise that one day when your life comes to an end here, you will step forever into glory, into perfect peace. That's the joy that comes from surrendering to the Most High God and King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It comes from trusting that no matter what I face, my light and momentary afflictions will never compare with the glory that will be revealed to me. That's where that joy comes from. It's from that baby that was born 2,000 years ago. So the first we have good news. We, we have the hope of good news, we have the hope of great joy, and we have the hope of a gentle Savior. The hope of a gentle Savior. He came as a baby and lived a life as a perfect man to fill our hurts. 
He came to know our sorrows. He, he mourned like we mourned. He was hungry. He was thirsty. He was mocked and ridiculed. He was hated and despised. And all this so that we could trust that whatever we went through, he would understand. Hebrews 4.15 states, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are. If you're in church this morning, just know that there is no one here that is too far from being saved. There is no one here that's too far from being saved. Now I understand that sometimes the church makes it feel that way. But understand that there is no one here who is too far for the grace of God because this baby was for everyone. This hope, this baby, this, this great joy, this good news, this, this gentle Savior was for everyone. I don't care what your life is like outside of here. I don't care what you do. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what, you, what the devil has told you about the life that you've had. I can tell you that so many years ago, he took a, he took a boy that was an idiot. He took a boy that thought that he could find joy everywhere else. He took a boy that was depressed and that was hurting and that was sad. He took a boy that had nowhere to turn. He took a man who had made so many mistakes and he saved him and he put him in a pulpit. Church, if I can preach, God can do anything for you. And that baby was that hope. That baby was that joy. That baby was that good news that something new was happening. I'll never have to worry about being alone again. I'll never have to worry about if my life has meaning or not. And there's some of you in here, young people as well, this is so important for you. There's some of you in here who are searching for meaning. You're searching for meaning and you're laughing because you know it's true. You're searching for meaning. Because you see that every song that Cardi B puts out and every time you see someone who's half naked on the TV and every time you see something happening, you understand that there's nothing in there. It's meaningless. Meaningless. And I know that because right now the number one cause of death in teens is suicide. So you can laugh and you can make fun and you can say it's not true and you can act like you're so hard. But on the inside, you're a scared little kid. And it's not only the teenagers in here. There are so many husbands and wives and, and grandfathers and aunts and uncles that are walking around with absolutely no meaning. Because right now in the church, the divorce rate in the church is just as high as it is outside. Because when you were so young, you walked down and you said a prayer. And you believed that Jesus would save you. And you got up and you walked out and there was absolutely no change. And as you went through your life, you wondered why there was no joy. Why there was no peace in your life. Why there was nothing but hurt. And the world said, you know what you need? You need someone. You're lonely. You should find you a little girl. You should find you a guy. Honey, all you need is somebody who's, who, who's going to give you gifts. Guys, you need somebody to hold on your arm. And you fell for it. And so you got married to the first little thing that you found. And then 15 years down the road, you realize that, that they're imperfect just like you are. 
you realize that that pretty young thing that you married, that once she got about 40, you realize that she snored. She wasn't supposed to snore when you married her at 20. That, that, that guy that you married, ladies, who had sun-kissed blonde hair, big old muscles, you realize that he really liked chili dogs and hot wings. And all of a sudden, that gut started coming. And you look, and when he rolls over, he kind of flops over because he rolls on that belly. See, Caroline thought I was going to stay fit forever. But I told her, I just look good, baby. I told her it was her fault. She cooks too good. You married this person thinking they were going to be forever, and you're not happy with them because you're not happy with yourself. And you're not happy with yourself because you're realizing that this life is meaningless. And the only thing that you can find worth in is what you were created for. I'm, I'm not the handiest person in the world. Um, Caroline can, att- can attest to that. There's a lot of things at the home, a lot of projects that I've started and broken and then I had to send to someone else so that they could fix them. And so I, I was trying to, to, to work a sink, and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. And I was trying to figure out how to take the actual pipe off the sink, and I couldn't get a wrench back there, and I kept busting up my knuckles. And Caroline said, hey, why don't you ask somebody? And I don't need to ask nobody. I know exactly what's going on. So after, you know, probably an hour and busted knuckles, I called my, my, uh, my, my father-in-law, and I said, uh, Man, I cannot get this, this, this nut off the bottom of this, 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 uh, this sink. I can't figure it out. He said, what kind of wrench are you using? I said, well, I'm just using a, a wrench. Duh. What other kind of wrenches are they? And he proceeds to name off like a hundred different wrenches. <laughs> I know wrench, man. Do you have what I need? And he brought me this thing that did not look like a wrench. And it was a sink wrench. I tell you, I found that sink wrench, and in like 30 seconds, I had the other sink off and the new sink in. Like 30 seconds. Because I used what was created for that purpose. You see, I couldn't use just a regular wrench. I couldn't use a pipe wrench. I couldn't use something like that because it wasn't, it wasn't made for that purpose. It wasn't created for that. And we can't find meaning by running around and trying to fill our lives with gifts and this and that. Maybe my kids will love me if I give them everything they want for Christmas. Maybe my kids will, will want to have, will want to have a, a, a relationship with me if I, give you every, if I give them everything they want for Christmas. Your teenagers are not going to love you no matter what at this point because they're all jerks. I was a teenager, I know. Teenagers, you're thinking maybe if I do this, my parents will love me. Maybe if I do that, there's, there's two things. There's some parents that just shouldn't have been parents. And then there's some of them that maybe if you respected them and gave them a little bit of just, just respect that, hey, you gave birth to me, maybe that relationship would be better. 
Our lives are meaningless because we don't use them for what the meaning they were created for. We were created to worship a Savior. That's the reason why when anybody, when anybody argues for, for any of this new age nonsense that I just... The, the Big Bang Theory is my big one. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go here. But the Big Bang Theory is my big one. Just because, are you really meaning to tell me that a cosmic fart created everything? It, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Are you really meaning to tell me that this intricate body, I will tell you, being in the hospital with my brother-in-law and my sister has opened my eyes to many, many things. The body can heal itself given enough time. As long as the injuries aren't super super extensive. And he's, he's started to have surgery on his arms and the bones are already trying to heal themselves. The, the body knows when it's too hot. The body knows when it's too cold. The body knows what it needs. I was telling the students the other day that, that there's these weird cravings. That, that sometimes people will crave dirt because they haven't had enough minerals. Your, your body knows exactly what it means. And do you mean to tell me that... Your body was created this intricate way just so that you can go live your best life now. Your body was created for a purpose. You were created for a purpose. And I'm going here because there's some of you in here who are walking around that believe full-heartedly that you are worthless. You believe that there is absolutely no reason for you to be here. You believe that no one loves you. And you believe you're all alone. And I'm telling you that 2,000 years ago, a baby was born as a hope that that was not true. This baby was born so that you could know God in a way that you'd never know God without Him. So we have a hope in the good news. We have a hope in great joy. We have hope in a gentle Savior. I'm not telling you to stop all the traditions you have. I'm not telling you to stop all the traditions because we love Christmas at our house. We've had Christmas music playing since before Christmas. Just before Halloween, we've had Christmas music playing. There's an elf that magically flies around our house because Nara behaves a little better when Elfie's here. On Christmas Eve, we will bake cookies and we'll leave milk. Our stockings will be hung on the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas will soon be there. My daughter will go to bed excited for what Santa will bring her and her brother. But if you ask my daughter why we celebrate Christmas, she'll tell you because 2,000 years ago, a Savior was born and died on a cross to save her soul. And I'm telling you that there is no greater joy in my life than when my daughter ran up to me after Awanas and said, Daddy, Daddy, I gave my heart to Jesus. We love Christmas at our house. I can't wait till I retire because I'm going to be a mall Santa. I love it. I'm, I'm, working, I'm working on it now. I'm going to be 
a mall Santa. I'm not telling you to not let your kids believe the magic of Christmas, but for the sake of their eternal souls, make sure, make sure they know who Christmas was named for. So we have a, a good news. We have the great joy. We have a gentle Savior. But I'm also here to tell you that in Romans 14, 11, it talks about a reigning king. Romans 14, 11 says, For every knee shall bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you believe this or not, I'm telling you, church, that one day you will. You see, because this baby represents hope, peace, and joy. And there's going to be a day when I read Romans 14, 11, that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that, that Jesus Christ is Lord. What that means for me is one day I am going to see this baby that I've given my life to. And one day I am not going to have to worship him in song. One day I'm not going to have to worship him in a pew. One day I'm not going to have to worship him just just feeling his presence. One day when everything is, is going wrong, one day there will be no tears. He will wipe away every tears. There will be no wrong. There will be a crystal sea. I'll see my Jesus face to face and I'll worship at his feet. That's what Romans 14, 11 means to me. But church, there's some of you in here that Romans 14, 11 means something completely different. Because there's one day when mercy and grace will stop. And that hope that we speak of is not hope anymore. There will be a day when if you do not confess him Lord of your life in this life, you will confess him Lord of your life in death. The Bible clearly talks that there are two places that we'll spend eternity. We'll spend eternity in heaven worshiping this Jesus, worshiping this baby that's now a king. Or we will be recognizing his lordship from afar. We'll be recognizing in his lordship eternally separated from him. And friends in church, if you believe that this life is bad, just wait. Won't you confess him, Lord, of your life today? See, here's the deal. Is I've got friends who are Islamic. I've got friends who are Hindus. I've got friends who are Buddhist. I've got friends who are atheists. I've got friends from all kinds of different religions. And we had a debate the other day. And one of my Islamic friends said, you know, fundamentally, our beliefs are all the same. Fundamentally, we believe the same thing. Jesus is in Islam and all this kind of stuff. Fundamentally, all our beliefs are, in, are the same. And I said, you believe in the temple of the rock, right, in Israel. He said, yes, that's a wonderful Islamic mosque. I said, you have to go up a mountain to worship Allah. I said, the big difference is that my God came down for me. And that's this hope of Christmas. You can't work to be good enough. 
You can't work to be worthy enough. He said, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is the ultimate Christmas gift. And it's free and available today. Won't you come accept him? Won't you come accept him? Let's pray.